Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and our focus today is what I am starting to call Big Dig 2. You probably think I'm exaggerating, that it can't be that big, that complicated, and that expensive. But let me lay it out for you. We're talking about a narrow stretch of land that runs between Boston University and the Charles River. On that piece of land, there's a lot going on. Eight elevated lanes of the Mass Pike, four lanes of Soldier's Field Road, four railroad tracks, and a small bike and pedestrian path along the Charles. The supports for the elevated section of the Mass Pike are crumbling and need to be replaced, so there's a sense of urgency. There's also a lot of agendas here. Some want better access to the river. Some want a bigger bike and pedestrian path. And up the road a bit is a large swath of land owned by Harvard University. Harvard wants the turnpike straightened in the area so it can build an entirely new neighborhood there, complete with highway connections. A lot is at stake. The turnpike alone carries 146,000 daily weekday trips, and the Worcester commuter rail line carries 18,600. The challenge for state transportation officials is daunting. How do you squeeze everything in, satisfy all the expectations, and keep everything moving during the estimated 10-year construction period? My guests today are architect and planner Antonio DiMambro and Glenn Berkowitz of the group A Better City. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome. Let's start with you, Glenn. It seems like the state is facing a daunting challenge here. What are the options people are looking at right now? Well, just to remind ourselves, the portion of the elevated turnpike that you referred to opened up in 1957 uh, and 1960 in that area, and uh, it's fallen apart. It's, it's, the state has made it clear that at some point pretty soon that viaduct is no longer going to be able to carry heavy trucks and other vehicles that are critically important to the Boston economy. And furthermore, if something happened to that viaduct and, and traffic could no longer use it, then that might even influence the ability for trains that currently travel underneath that viaduct. And imagine if we had no I-90 and no Worcester branch coming into Boston for several years because all of us failed to come up with a plan and get it into permitting and into construction in time. So we think one of the most important things to do is focus less on trying to get this perfect and more on trying to get it really good uh, and get it done uh, in time so that we keep these important uh, infrastructure systems in place. But, but there's a couple options being considered for how you squeeze all this in. Could you, could you summarize those just really quickly? Sure. So the state's original plan was to take the elevated viaduct and make it taller and wider and closer to the river. And that met with a lot of opposition by all kinds of stakeholders. And it was literally a year ago this week, Bruce, that the Secretary of Transportation, Stephanie Pollack, made a decision in which she said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to instead do something called a hybrid plan, which is largely based on those of us at A Better City and others who thought the right solution was to take the elevated infrastructure and put it at ground level. And that's mostly what she approved. So the state's current plan is to build the rail the highway um, and the Paul Dudley White in the new parklands at ground level. But as you said, because the space is so squeezed, her plan included elevating just one piece of infrastructure, and we, we, we all affectionately refer to that as Star Drive. 
And so now you at A Better City have come up with a different approach, right? A tweak on that in that approach. Could you explain what that is? Sure. So it's a kind of nuance uh, that's important to, to describe. It's two parts. The first part is if the state is not going to build in the waters of the Charles River, we think the secretary got it close to perfect uh, in her decision a year ago. Uh, in other words, we've always advocated putting everything at grade, but to do everything at grade required going into the Charles River. The state said we didn't want to touch the Charles River as part of constructing this project. And so a year ago, they made a decision that in order not to touch the river, they were going to get some additional space by going upward for just one portion, Soldiers Field Road. But this idea of a, a temporary 10-year bridge out in the Charles River is creating some pushback. And, and it sort of undercuts what their original argument was. We don't want to touch the Charles River. Now they're going into the Charles River. The idea to put Soldiers Field Road, Storo Drive out in the river along with the bike and pedestrian path. So that's a, creating an opening for you to guys to come back and say, what? Uh, well, you've got that 100% right. Uh, so uh, even though the state had been saying for several years they're not going to touch the river and then they made a decision that in order not to touch the river, we're going to elevate one portion of the project, Soldiers Field Road, we then found out six months later, this past June, that in order to build this project, they have to put Soldiers Field Road, the Paul Dudley White, and a portion of I-90 westbound, in fact, in the Charles River for the better part of 10 years in order to build the project. I think it's fair to say that took nearly everybody who's part of the process by surprise. And many people have commented in recent submittals to Federal Highway that were due a couple weeks ago that, gee, maybe that 10-year impact in the river provides opportunities to solve the long-term issues in a different way. Okay. Antonio, how do you see the problems in that area? Uh, and, and how do you look at them? First of all, I think... Um, we should not look at this project as a new big dig. Okay. Very important. This is really the new intermodal infrastructure project for the next century, this century, the, the 21st century, because the things that will be done here are not just making better highways, it is also creating an intermodal facility for connecting the region and the future services that will be needed by our city and this region in this century. So we cannot separate the two. And one of the issues that I saw in both proposal that the state has been analyzing is that both require the disconnection of the uh, rail service uh, that serves uh, the region with a connection to North Station and to Chelsea. I think that that is a major, major problem that we need to analyze and what I am advocating is that before we settle on a solution, let's turn all the stones because once we make a final decision, 
it is very difficult to go back and we prevent the future opportunities. For example, the connection from Metro West to um, to North Station. It's an important link that we must preserve and we must enhance. So my thinking about this was I look at the plan. I think it's a great improvement for the highway. It opens up opportunities for development. However, it creates visual impacts that are substantial, create major 4F land issues, and a disconnection of a vital service for rail that we as a region cannot afford. So this, um, this connection that you're talking about is most people call it the Grand Junction line. That's correct. And most regular people, I think, have no idea that it even exists uh, because it's used to reposition some uh, trains right now and it's used for some freight, I think. But there's no commuter rail g- g- zipping over to Kendall Square and the North Station right now. But what the hope here is, I think, is that this can be a connection sort of going um, north-south and, and connecting, connecting the city, sort of split right now by the turnpike, and connecting the city and allowing people from the west to go to Kendall Square, North Station, without going completely in, you know, on the train into, into Boston and back out again, which is so often the case. Um, so th- that's what you're and, – and your idea how to preserve that during the construction period, talk a little bit about what you want to do. I think, um, as uh, as Bruce has, has uh, uh, outlined, the reconstruction of the highway and its related work, it's very complex. And one of the problems is that that they have encountered is that uh, the <clears throat> existing rail connection that uses the Grand Junction will be disconnected and then once the highway is at grade or more or less, they have to take the, that service and reconnect it by going over the uh, facility that has been built for the highway and then rejoin the existing bridge. Mm-hmm. And it goes over at the BU Bridge, underneath, underneath the BU Bridge. Yeah. My suggestion is that there is a better way, and it has many interesting opportunities. Instead of taking this rail line over a highway at grade, Therefore, go, creating a visual impact, considerable visual impact, it is possible to go begin to from north station, from uh, west station, begin to go down and then under the river and reappear in Cambridge. There are some significant improvements 
if we do that? Number one, if it is faced properly and you uh, do the necessary prep work, you should do this before the project of the highway is put a grade. Once you do that, you basically achieve a new piece of um, land, about 25 feet, which this rail line occupies us now, would be available for improving the river edge and everything that comes with it. The second point is that once this service is underground, we are free at last to improve that crossing of the railroad in the middle of the river under the BU Bridge and open up all sorts of opportunities to create a fantastic pedestrian uh, continuous line along the river and many other opportunities. So the point here is why not analyze it? Why just because until now we have not thought about this, we should do it. And we should do it as part of the next phase of the environmental process so that we have all the options evaluated and then made the best mm -hmm. be considered. So it seems, like, um, it seems like a genius proposal in a lot of ways. But again, digging a tunnel under the Charles and coming up, I can imagine that there are people that would say that there are some diff some challenges in doing that. Um, what are the challenges? What, what do you, Glenn? It seems like you're thinking about it. Uh, uh, and Antonio may have hit upon uh, a concept that would be phenomenal to have. Uh, I don't know enough about it. We'd all have to hear more of the details and see more of the drawings and such, but. Um, that's up to the state to decide with the Federal Highway in the next couple months uh, as they review the comments that Antonio recently submitted on his idea. Um, but just take a step back for a second. We're talking about how the Grand Junction should cross the Charles River because someone came up with the idea, a great idea, uh, to create a new urban intermodal transit station called West Station. My colleague Tom Nally told me that Antonio himself is the very person who invented the whole idea of having a West Station. So no matter what happens with his new concept of tunneling or not under the Charles River, he deserves all of our applause for coming up with what generally everyone agrees is a fantastic idea. So then, the, then there's two other parts to that, which is how should it cross the Charles River, which is what we've been talking about so far. And then the third part is, well, how should it then travel through the heart of Cambridge to go up to Somerville and or connect into North Station? Uh, there aren't that many people who I think are unhappy with the idea of having it cross the Charles River 
on the current bridge that it has. After all, it's not a question of should there be a bridge over the Charles River in that area or not. As you said, Bruce, the BU bridge is already sitting there on top of it. I don't know anyone who's talking about getting rid of the BU bridge. So to have the Grand Junction Bridge under the BU Bridge is really aesthetically, environmentally, not that huge of a problem given its current urban context. It is in a great state of disrepair. And there's no question that the state's going to have to rebuild the superstructure of that bridge at some point in the next decade or two. So we think that if you're going to close the Grand Junction for five, six, seven years as part of a 10-year reconstruction of I-90, isn't that a good time to extend the project and rebuild the superstructure of the Grand Junction Bridge while you, in fact, don't have any of the maintenance trains that currently use it to travel up to Somerville? Then the third piece is, well, then, uh, when you eventually have the new West Station and you have a way to cross the Charles River, we think on the existing bridge, because uh, that's what's in the current plan, then how should it travel through Cambridge? Well, if it's going to happen at any point in the next decade, it's going to travel through Cambridge by traveling on the existing right-of-way where there's, I think, five signalized crossings on some key streets in Cambridge. And I think everyone would agree that the quickest we can get some sort of passenger service created from a new West Station over the Charles River through Cambridge is a great idea. Kendall Square needs it desperately, as so does the rest of Cambridge. When you step back and look towards the future, maybe, you know, the 2040 future, when we have urban rail, when our diesel locomotives have been replaced, hopefully, and electrified, if we then want to start talking about tunnels that are certainly more applicable to an electric rail system than to a diesel locomotive system, because if not, you run into all kinds of problems and questions about ventilation. Um, you know, I think that could be a wonderful future down, down the road. So maybe one way to approach it is to take Antonio's idea, look at the current design of West Station, and see would it need to be revised so that it doesn't um, prevent, so that it's in sync with a future downstream notion of maybe putting the Grand Junction under the Charles River instead of on a bridge across it. So I would think, Antonio, that one of the pros of your approach is that if you were able to get a tunnel done and so you could get this line up and running sooner, that that could ease some of the congestion that would be occurring from people trying to come in from the west and reach Kendall Square or wherever. It, it could reduce congestion and make the the transit life of people during this period a lot better. I, I think that's a central point of your idea, right? It certainly is. And uh, the the need to provide the Western communities of the Boston area with a better connection and the idea of uh, uh, also uh, rethinking in the as part of this future planning, the idea of the urban ring, which has been set aside for the time being, but we know in our region the, uh, the vitality and the importance of a circumferential transit connection. And this connection between West, uh, the uh, West Station and uh, Cambridge and North Station is part of 
an essential part of the urban ring system that our region will need. And we have been playing with the fire here in many ways because we have done an incredible, allowed the economic forces to do an incredible job in densifying the city, bringing new economic vitality in the city, but we have not done the investments in the infrastructure for public transit that this region needs. And I appreciate, uh, Glenn, um, uh, uh, realistic, a pragmatic approach uh, that we should get this project done as soon as possible. I think, however, we need to think about the future, and we may end up doing exactly what you say, Glenn, but that does not mean that in the environmental process we should not look, analyze, and do the proper forecast of the needs of this region in order to see if this idea of going with a tunnel under the river makes sense. Mm -hmm. And my hunch is that it will most likely make sense if you look at what this region needs to be 50 years from now. And we all know, having been involved in this project, projects, that it takes 40 years to deliver a very good infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And uh, we cannot, therefore, and this is my point, uh, uh, rush this planning phase in order to get the project done. So, Glenn, let me go back. Um, I've read your uh, Better Cities letter, and I got to say I'm a little confused about it because you use some language in it that I'm not, I don't quite grasp. But is it, so you want to go, given that they're talking about a temporary Charles River Bridge for Soldiers Field Road Store Drive, you're sort of saying, well, maybe if we think of a permanent incursion in the Charles River we can fit it all at grade, which is what it, I think a preferable approach rather than building something up in the air. But it's a little unclear to me what actually you guys would put into the river and how much of the river it would eat up. Um, can you be a little more clear about that? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. I'd first like to touch upon uh, Antonio's comment that let's not rush uh, the process. Uh, it was either five or six years ago that I first sat in Alston with a bunch of other local advocates and stakeholders, and we started meeting with MassDOT on the Sinai D. Alston project. So uh, literally five years of task force meetings that probably number in the hundreds by now. Uh, and I don't mean to sound like a state employee here, but the truth is this process has been going on for a very long time at a very deep uh, and concerted level, and MassDOT deserves credit, not criticism, for how much planning it has done to date for this project. So I just want to be clear with folks that I don't think any idea that came onto the table three weeks ago uh, 
uh, should be viewed in the light of, well, gee, the process just started. Let's not discard that idea before we move ahead. The process has been going on for quite a long time. And I would believe Antonio himself would admit that his recent comment, again, no matter how good or genius it may be, uh, he's known for coming up with good genius ideas, but it's certainly not, uh, you know, in terms of its timetable with the project, with the process to date, it's kind of at the end of the, yeah, you but, know, sort of at the 11th hour. All right. I have to push back against that a little bit because I have not been like you involved in this all along, but it does seem like a year ago the project took a major flip um, at, based on pushback at that time. And it seems like there's an evolutionary, maybe it's that slow, process taking place here against the backdrop of we've got to do something here so quickly. But that's what makes it so interesting is that ideas are sort of bubbling out. I think Antonio is saying, let's take a look at this. Uh, and yes, there's a t- clock ticking at the same time. So that's the challenge you're, 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 you're posing. Roger that, Bruce. Uh, I- uh, but now let's get back. I want to yeah. I want to understand your proposal though a little bit better. That how sure. far would it go into the Charles? So just to be clear, none of us are making the decision at this point. All we're doing is trying to recommend to Federal Highway in the state what it is that they then take forward in this federal process that's just started to study in detail both the environmental benefits and costs, technical issues, schedule, uh, etc. So the first thing a better city recommended that they study is exactly what the secretary herself made a decision on, as I said, a year ago, which is to have everything mostly at grade, but have Soldiers Field Road up in the air. Her original plan that she approved a year ago had Soldiers Field Road up in the air above I-90 westbound. And in fact, it was a better city who did a detailed analysis that said, you know, it would be better if you're going to put Soldiers Field Road up in the air, put it above I-90 eastbound, further away from the river than next to the river above I-90 westbound. And subsequently, the state agreed with the better city's recommendation, and that is the current plan. So the first thing we recommend to answer your question, Bruce, is that they study exactly what's on the table now. As you said, there was a sort of some kind of change in the past year, and that change was that the state acknowledged that it's going to have to go in the river with all kinds of temporary stuff lasting up to 10 years in order to build the project, which leads to our second recommendation that was in our letter that you referred to, which is, well, if you're going to have to put stuff in the Charles River for a 10-year period anyway, maybe you could do uh, put it closer to the shore of the river than what they're currently contemplating, which is like further out into the river. So first change is maybe you can put that temporary stuff closer to the shore. And maybe that would lead the opportunity to look at not just having that temporary stuff be removed in 10 years, but maybe it could stay and be part of a new permanent wider Charles River Parklands Uh, which may in fact allow that one piece that was going to be up in the air, Soldiers Field Road, to also be a grade. But again, that would require permanent impacts of the Charles River. And it's up to all kinds of environmental authorities, both at the state and federal level, to decide whether or not that's doable. But that was a better city's recommendation, a two-part recommendation. Excuse me. A, uh, study what's currently on the table that the secretary decided a year ago. It's certainly a good plan. It might not be the most perfect plan, but it's certainly good and worthwhile to 
uh, evaluate going forward. And secondly, look at a kind of alteration of that, which says, well, if you're going to do stuff in the river temporarily, maybe you can do it in a smarter, less impactful way, and maybe it could lead towards staying permanently and have everything be at grade in the long term. So last thing, uh, we're running a little bit out of time, so but I wanted to get a sense from you folks. The Charles River, um, messing around with it, the state didn't originally want to do that at all. Now they're sort of saying, we don't have enough room here. We're, we're going to have to go out there, tempor- at least temporarily. Some people say that's, oh, my God, we can't do that. Others say, oh, we, we fill around with the Charles River all the time. What, what do you two think about, should, should it be, hand- obviously, uh, Glenn, you don't think so, because you're, you're sort of saying, let maybe we make it permanent. But, Antonio, do you think it should be hands-off the Charles River? I think what is important is what will happen here, how will it look like after the work is completed. I am not the person that is saying uh, you shouldn't touch the Charles River. You should be very careful, mindful, and uh, you should improve what is wrong there. The na- navigability of the river is impacted by those piers of that century-old uh, 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 railroad bridge. There is no doubt. And the, the continuity of the pedestrian and bike movement is impacted by the pier at the most critical point under the BU Bridge. If there is an opportunity to improve that, and please look at my proposal because I give de facto 25 extra feet to really make a better connection and a visually improved. But I think the river will be impacted and all our eyes will be focused on that to make sure that what is finally getting ready, signed, to build, will be the best possible solution. I think that the best possible solution may emerge after the city, the region, and the citizen will look at what the elimination or in the long term of the existing railroad bridge will do not only on the Boston side, but also on the Cambridge side to have continuous pedestrian and bike movements along the edge of this river and to have an increased level of navigability It's something that we cannot sweep under the rug just because the process has been... Let let me also remind all of us that the... the, And uh, we understand that we are running out of time. Uh, Let me also remind that when we did the the Third Arbor Tunnel, the changes and the fine-tuning of the idea was going on even during the process of construction. So let's not freeze the thinking and the planning just because of time. Glenn, I'll give you a few seconds here to wrap up. 
I think everybody agrees with Antonio that um, pedestrian and bicycle connectivity both along the edges of the river and crossing the river are a key ingredient in our region's future. And I think that's going to happen under any plan that's currently being talked about. It's You don't need to go just to Antonio's new plan in order to make those things happen. I think the state already knows that. I think the state's already committed to do it. The question is um, uh, 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 how much do you enlarge the scope of the I-90 Alston project before you uh, say uh, – Let's draw a line around the box of on a, on a plan and say this is the project and let's get going. Uh, Antonio suggesting we enlarge that box. Um, it's up to the state to decide that certainly none of us uh, around this table. Uh, if I were the state, uh, I would be focused, hyper-focused on the fact that the existing viaduct is crumbling and needs to be replaced. If we can do things that Antonio is thinking of and not delay that construction – um, that's one thing. If it would delay the construction by 15 or 20 years, that would be a completely different thing. Glenn Berkowitz, Antonio DiMambro, thank you both very much for joining us today, and maybe we'll have another discussion later on. Thank you. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream